John was standing with two of his disciples, and as he watched Jesus walk by, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard what he said and followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following him and said to them, What are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and you will see. So they went and saw where Jesus was staying, and they stayed with him that day. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, the brother of Simon Peter, was one of the two who heard John and followed Jesus. He first found his own brother, Simon, and told him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated Christ. Then he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You will be called Cephas which is translated Peter. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise you, Lord Jesus Christ. As a priest, you're often with people in challenging moments, whether it's devastating health news or a wayward child whose parents are at their wit's end, a marriage at a difficult crossroads, But you're also in exciting moments, no? When a young person is looking at their life with all its possibilities, which college, which career, should they really pursue this relationship? And in both cases, the question is often what path to choose, no? What is God calling them to? And Jesus Christ gives us today an answer in the gospel of how to answer that question. What's God calling me to? What's he asking of me? In this Gospel of John, it's about, Jesus is about 30 years old, right? Time has come for him to leave behind a simple life as a carpenter in Nazareth and start his public ministry. And there, when he begins, where does he go to find his first group of apostles but to his cousin John the Baptist? He goes to the west bank of the River Jordan and sees him and and his other disciples. And John knows this is the moment and turns to two of his own apostles, his own disciples, and says, that's the Lamb of God. And they understand and they turn and go to follow Jesus. And here's the key moment. Jesus hears them approaching. He turns around, looks them in the eyes, and asks this question. What are you looking for? I like to read into that that deep question. What do you desire? What do you really want? What are you searching for? What are you longing for? Struck by the simplicity, I'm sure, of Christ, of his warmth, of those inviting eyes, of his greeting, they say, teacher, where are you staying? I want a little more of what you have. I want to go deeper into that question, what am I really looking for? Where are you at? And maybe without realizing it, they give us that perfect answer. Jesus, we're looking for you. We want to stay with you. Now, oftentimes in the midst of either challenge or crisis or even hope and opportunity and excitement, we're not often thinking what we're really looking for is Jesus. We're looking for an answer. 
We're looking for resolution. We're looking for health. We're looking for clarity. But behind all those things, what we're really looking for is meaning and hope and future. And all that is found in Christ. A smile spread across Jesus' face and he says to them and he says to us, come and you'll see. Jesus invites us to walk with him, to follow him, to be his companion, and in so doing, we'll find the answers we're looking for. The meaning of life or the answer to questions or clarity of how to handle a cross is often found, is always found in a relationship in Jesus. Because Jesus gives us the answers, one, to what's in our hearts, because he made them, (laughs) but also... He gives us the the answer to what's coming, what are we hoping for, where are we headed, because his will is that plan, right? That we know that phrase, he's the way, the truth, and the life. Of course, since the meaning of life is this relationship with Jesus, it doesn't just depend, unfortunately, on on Jesus' side, it also is on us. But the comforting thing is Jesus really wants that relationship with us. He's not hard to find, even if sometimes he appears so. He is personal. He comes to us. He helps us out, just like in the first reading with with Samuel. Samuel was able to confuse God's voice with Eli's because God's voice was so personal and intimate. It was almost recognizable and comforting and near that he thought it must be Eli. God knows Samuel through and through. And he calls him, not from far away or a thundering voice like at the top of Mount Sinai or like Jesus and the apostles. He's right next to him. He says, come. He speaks into his ear. He whispers just how God calls each one of us. And in fact, sometimes we don't hear his voice because we're expecting something amazing, far off, impressive, challenging and sometimes his voice is so close and so like yeah where your heart intuits that's it that god knows us better than we know ourselves right as saint augustine put it nearer than my nearest self in today's gospel when jesus meets simon that second call at the the end of the gospel he actually gives him a new name He knows again, Simon better than Simon knows himself. He says, I'm going to give you a new name that reveals who you are, who you're called to be. He calls him Cephas now, which means Peter, rock. The catechism says it really beautifully. At every time and in every place, God draws close to humanity. God never ceases to draw man to himself. So on the one hand, God's always coming close to us, and on the other hand, he's always drawing us closer to him. So matter, no matter who, who you are, who we are, but especially young people turning to God and asking him to reveal his plan for you, the meaning of life, the mission of your life, the relationship you should follow, or whether you're an adult and you're trying to struggle with finding God's meaning in certain challenges, or maybe you're older and and struggling with health, wherever we are, 
how do we hear the Lord's voice that comes close? I want to give us three suggestions. First, no matter who you are, spend time in prayer with Jesus. The scriptures and the Eucharist. Daily Mass, adoration, stop in a church, turn off the radio in the car, shut down the apps, put on airplane mode, and spend time with the Lord. It's never wasted time. It's the time where God can reveal his heart to yours and your heart to yourself as you search and wrestle and pray and give thanks and whatever you do in your time with the Lord, spending time with him is always a great investment towards clarity to his will. Second, it's a mission. Go serve. Get outside yourself. Love someone else. Meet someone else in their need. Get involved. Give yourselves to others. Jesus took Peter, Andrew, and James, and John, and he he took them in. They said, where are you staying? And they went and stayed with him. But shortly after, Jesus said, okay, let's go. Let's go to another town. Let's start preaching, start serving, take care of these people who are looking for me. He gets them involved in the mission. So yourselves, if you're trying to find clarity, hear God's voice, get moving. I often say it's easier to steer a moving car. Put it in drive. Go towards what you believe God is asking, and he'll steer you. And third, spiritual director. Talk to a godly mentor, a priest, a faith-filled relative, As you talk to God in prayer and as you serve him in others, you'll hear him speaking to you and you'll need help to discern his voice. So others who have been following God regularly and listening to his voice can be a great help. Talk to them, open your heart, share and listen. Find your Eli who you can go to and say, hey, is it you? Is this it? Who will give you that advice on how to hear God's voice. So we've spoken about how Jesus and a relationship with him is the answer to what we're searching for in every situation, in every cross, in every vocation, in marriage, or even towards the end of life. And this Eucharist is the ultimate moment of communion with this friend. It's the ultimate moment of prayer. It's also the ultimate moment of mission where he sends us out. It's ultimate the ultimate moment also of spiritual direction. He's our ultimate mentor, the one we can go and talk to and get advice. So let's praise him and pray this Mass really personally with our hearts. One of the beautiful things about the tradition of the Mass is it's known. One of the great risks of the mission of the Mass is it's known, right? Ah, I know, same thing, tune out. But let's tune in with our hearts to this Mass going forward. Let's praise him from our hearts when we say, blessed are you, Lord God of all creation. It's truly right and just always and everywhere to give you thanks. Or when we pray together, holy, 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 let's mean it in our hearts. Or when we petition him, make holy that these things that we have brought to you for consecration, that we look upon this oblation and recognize Jesus, that he fill us with his Holy Spirit and unite us as one body that he make us an offering to him so we can inherit heaven, that he listen to us as a family and gather us to himself and his children around the world when we petition that he admit all of our departed brothers and sisters into his kingdom. And when we try to remember, as we say, remember, Lord, our brothers and sisters. Remember, Lord, your church. 
remember those who come before you today in prayer. And finally, when we remember Jesus's loving response to his own call, his own vocation to be our savior on the night when he was betrayed, he gave us his body and his blood. And let's renew then our friendship with him by promising always to listen and to follow his voice. Amen.